Welcome to the HVAC Insiders Podcast. I'm Jim DePalma. The goal of this podcast is to keep you up to date on the current trends and changes in technology within the HVAC industry and to help you use this information to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Wales Darby, which is a major manufacturer's representative in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. We've been around for five decades representing the world's largest and finest manufacturers in the plumbing, heating, and HVAC industry. Welcome to today's show. Today, we welcome John Resso to the Wales Darby podcast. I work with John in the contractor services group here at Wales Darby. Contractor services group, just if you've never heard that before, we're the tech guys here at Wales Darby. There's seven of us in the group. We are the design guys. We're the technical guys. We're the troubleshooting guys. We are the training guys. We're the guys that help the contractors uh, learn about new product, help them grow their business by making sure any new product they're putting in, they're going to do it right the first time. John brings a huge amount of knowledge and experience and common sense to our industry. Uh, John has 38 years of HVAC experience, which have included 17 years of experience with an oil and gas company, 10 years with a major boiler manufacturer, and two years with a plumbing and mechanical company. In his career, John's developed several training programs, built out training facilities, and he designed and constructed our Willis Darby Mobile Learning Center. John, welcome today. Hey, Jim. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. One of the fun things that we do in, after our training classes is you and I always discuss how it went, how the students and techs that come to our classes absorb the material that we're presenting. You know, we always want to know if the topic's working, what it's not, and if there's any new way of presenting the topic, you know, we want to make sure that the audience received it received it well. Yeah, probably the biggest thing in our industry that we all have to get used to is change, right? That's just life in general. So it's great to have a sounding board when you and I sit down and, and run through these training courses and just kind of figure out what's working, what's not working, what's the average age of our students today you know, as we go through and, and we're trying to train millennials, you know, as everybody is tagged. So we need to come up with different training methods and, you know, it's enjoyable to bounce this off of you and really understand what the students in the seats need and want. I don't want to deliver information that's not needed. So we've really started to convert most of our training courses to somehow incorporating something that's hands-on, whether it's a you know, a picture of a boiler and we give them a scenario of a problem, whether it's putting a boiler system together, um, you know, that's really the goal is to give the students what they're looking for. Yeah. I, I have found that the more we talk about the basics, the more their eyes open up. Oh, yeah. That's 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 a fact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the young guys, they're not seeing it when they go to the tech schools. They only get X amount of time. But the guys who have got 20 plus years experience, that's the, the surprise that they get so, their eyes open up to like, wow, I never realized this is what was happening or this is why I do what I'm doing. Yeah. When I came into this industry, I was put in a van with a guy and, you know, he told me, put this here, put that there and never really told me why I was doing any of it. But every day when the boiler was installed, we turned the switch on, everything worked the way that it should. So I'm some young kid. Who am I going to question this senior technician? 
who obviously is doing things right because every time we turned it on, it worked. So I think what we really support here in the industry is is just trying to take knowledge that was in our senior tech's heads and we're trying to transfer that information to the younger generation so that heating systems and cooling systems can go in the proper way. Right, right. I, it's always it's always sad to see guys put in equipment and then have to go back for something that could have been avoided right up front if they understood why they were doing what they're doing so they design it right, pipe it right. You know, this way they never have to go back because once they go back, they, they've lost their profit on that job. And that speaks to why you and I bounce so much information off each other is because we need to make sure that if a contractor is sending his employees or the owner of the company is attending one of our training courses, we need to make sure that they leave our training courses with some type of value. Right. And if we can keep them from going back on one job, we delivered a value to them. Right. So that's really the goal of our training. And that, that's, that's what goes into all of our methods of training is, uh, is having that as a, a target goal for us. Right, right. Um, I know you always, you hear this from the contractors you call on. I hear it from the guys I call on. They're always looking for techs. Where can I find techs? Now, we've seen a big increase this past year out of the tech schools with the amount of guys that are in there. Uh, whether they're first year, second year, wherever they're at, um, some are brand new people coming into the into the in the industry or making it a career change. It's really pretty pretty cool. But I don't think the traditional training is keeping up with what's happening because we've seen so many big changes in the industry. Geez, over the past ten years, I mean, some major changes. So. You came back after a four-week advanced class and told me that a couple of young techs came to you afterwards. You know, a lot of guys always come up to you after the class and want to talk. And they asked you if they were to start a company, if they were to start an HVAC company, what should they be concentrating on? And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said to me, and I thought this was so interesting, if I was starting a, con a company, condensing boilers, tankless water heaters, and mini split heat pump systems. Why did you come up with that? So the focus, um, just to give you some history of how I came up with that, right? So we, we ship in the U.S. market 9.2 million tank-style water heaters a year, okay? So that's a large number. Um, the tankless industry is growing, and it's doubled in the last five years, and they expect it to double again in the next two. 95% of those tankless units are being installed on new installations about 5% are being installed in replacement market. But there's so many people now that are paying attention to rebates and the environment that a lot of them want to go the tankless route. So it's very difficult to find technicians. Everyone says that. So if I can take and just kind of be an expert on a couple of different segments of our industry, tankless, condensing boiler, maybe condensing furnace, and the mini split world and I kind of hone in on those I can be really proficient at those and I don't have to overwhelm a technician that I'm kind of really taking them from ground up on most of these you know type guys that are coming in off the street I'm going to take them from ground up so if I ask him to service the world and service every product out there that's going to be a big undertaking but if I can narrow down his focus and get him focused in on two or three products he can learn those two or three products, become very efficient at it, which will make him money, which will make my company money. 
So the reason that I've always said that is I really need to get guys that are focused on individual products instead of servicing the whole world, be real good at what we do, install everything the right way. Service contracts should be a big part of that business and returning phone calls should also be a big part of that business. Those three types of products, condensing boilers, tankless water heaters, mini-split heat pumps, basically the technology of how they operate is, is kind of similar. Do, do you agree in that, in that they're, you know, they're, they're reactive systems that are just not uh, running at one output? You know, they change based on demand. Yes, they, they all definitely change on demand, and that's a big reason why I would gear my business towards those products. Okay, okay. So on the tankless side, if I, we just focus on tankless for a second, the biggest growth, is it more of the individual home? Is it more of the um, commercial multifamily? Is it commercial? Are we, we hitting all those numbers? Where, where, where are we at? Yeah, so on the, you know, there's always a growth curve, right? And, and the goal is to have a hockey stick type growth curve. And that's what the tankless world is on right now. It's on that hockey stick type growth curve. So the big upswing, that 95% that I was talking about, that's in, you know, multifamily condos, you know, apartment complexes, those type of applications. But the residential homeowners, based on rebates that are available to them now, they're also looking towards that. Um, the tank market, the price of the tank market has increased enough to where the tankless now is not this outrageously priced unit that scares everyone away. So it opens up the eyes. A.O. Smith has just launched an X3, which now gives you 15 years of waterside protection in writing, in warranty writing, that says it's going to give you 15 years of life. That's a game changer. Yeah, that's huge. That's yeah. huge. And what I've seen is that you know, a lot of contractors, they'll go and put them in, but if they really haven't had any experience up front or attended a training class to understand the differences between tankless and tank type in the venting, gas piping size, the actual output, how the unit actually works, they end up having a generally an issue after the fact, where if they came up front, we can avoid a lot of those things. Right, and that's, you and I, that's one of our main goals, and Wells Darby in general, that's one of our main goals, is to try to get people, you know, help them launch into a new portion of a business. If they've never done a tankless before, we can help them get into that business and get into it comfortably without having, you know, the old, uh, you know, where you go out and install them and have all kind of problems and go to the school of hard knocks. Right. Right, right. we want to make them profitable right out of the gate. Yeah, hard knocks gets to be expensive after a while. Yeah. There's just so much they can absorb. All right, so that's tankless water heaters. Condensing boilers. Now, you came from a major boiler manufacturer. You, you were at Juan McLean as their national trainer for a long time. You're the most knowledgeable guy I ever met about boilers. Uh, so condensing boilers have been around for a while. Where do you think, how much market share have they grabbed, in your opinion? Well, there, there's, a lot of it's based on rebates, and again, it's going to go back to rebates, but um, you know, we are seeing more and more um, condensing boilers going in. On average, you're looking at about 350,000 boilers a year get re replaced in the U.S. market. Uh, majority of those were cast iron, so we're getting into the teens, and uh, you know, near 20% of those are now condensing product. Um, so th the focus there would be to you know, proper install, 
Um, a lot of people put these in as if they're a cast iron boiler and never service them. So there's a big service arm on the condensing boiler side that, uh, you know, I think a new company could take a real handle on. Yeah, they, they, they should. That seems They seem to be leaving a lot of money on the table because it just screams for service at all times. And again, they wouldn't know about it unless they've come to a class and have been exposed to this. And when we do talk about it with a contractor, some guys push back, seeing it, see it as a problem, where in reality, it's a, it's a major opportunity. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity. So a cast iron boiler has a 28-year lifespan. You know, condensing boilers, you're looking at probably somewhere in that 12 to 15-year range. Um, and that's if they're maintained properly. So there's a, there's a big market there. Again, writing service contracts is a big part of their business. It's, it's an annuity. It keeps you in the home. If there's another problem within the home, it allows that company to have probably first refusal at the job. Right, right, exactly. Do, do you think um, you think we're, we're, cast iron is dead, or does it still offer an opportunity for these contractors? No, I think cast iron has a, has a place in our market. Um, I see a lot of misapplied condensing boilers. You know, you really have to understand how a condensing boiler operates and what the home is asking for, you know, based on the amount of radiation within the home, you know, whether what type of heat emitters are in the home, whether it's baseboard, whether it's radiant, whether it's an air handler type application. To me, that's what really speaks to what type of boiler do I install in this home more so than just saying I'm a condensing boiler guy and that's it. Right, right. Yeah, we, we still see a lot of them put in piped right, but never condense a day in our life. Right, no outdoor reset. You know, you yeah. can go on and on with all the different reasons on why they'll never condense. And um, one of the fallacies in our industry is, you know, that ninety-five percent efficiency rate. You know, where does that happen? That happens at one twenty to one forty. On, as far as I know, most all manufacturers do their their efficiency testing at those temperatures. So, you know, what are we really selling to the end user? That's the key. Right, right. And, and it's it, it's interesting that I I'll hear back from contractors saying, well, you know. I think it's too much money. I wouldn't put it in, and I always kind of look at them and say, "But it's not your money to spend." You know, if the homeowner's interested in this, this should be an offering for you. This is your opportunity to sell up, let them spend their money, and give them the efficiency and the comfort that they want. And, and I think they just get they shy away from it because they're just not comfortable with the product or don't want to take on the extra service or or. Don't see that that uh, that opportunity that that is really an opportunity. It's not a burden. It's a great way to grow your business. Right, and key thing you said right there is comfort. It's not only comfort for their guys working on the equipment. It's comfort for the end user. That's all we sell is comfort. Right, right. So we need to apply the product. It's always the right appliance for the application, more so than just you know I do condensing boilers and that's all I do. I'd much rather see the right appliance for the application, and then that system will run better. It'll live longer. And the homeowner will be more satisfied. And you know, if you if they condense, just give you round numbers. A gallon of condensation is worth about eight thousand eighty BTU. And uh, so, the more they condense, the more energy stays within the home. Right. Right. Yeah. We we in the classes that we do, I know we give them an easy example. If it's going to be at ninety five percent, you know, ninety five percent of for every dollar I spend. To heat that home, 95 cents is going into the house, and only 5 cents is going out the stack, as opposed to 82 cents going into the house and 18 cents going out the stack on the on the cast iron side, which on some pretty good-sized homes could be some, some substantial money. Yeah. Right, and there's, there's a couple options, too, for outdoor reset. You know, most cast iron boilers now have, I guess what they're calling, indoor reset, 
but you could also do outdoor reset on a cast iron boiler. We can run baseboard at 140, 150 degree water temperature going through there. You're just going to get less BTU per foot. But there are some options to make that cast iron boiler run a little more efficient. Right. So shameless plug to everybody. We do an advanced four-week hydronic class, which goes over this information that we're talking about in great detail, and, we, and which is a class that's not just a straight lecture. There's, there's uh, problems that have to be solved that we give to the students. They get the information. They have to apply it right away. And it leads into troubleshooting these systems. So at the end of it, they should be very comfortable in how they're going to lay out that job, how they're going to pipe it, and what they have to do in order to make that boiler operate at its peak efficiency. So if that's something of interest, please please contact us because that class is a lot of fun, and uh, we've seen it really help a lot of guys out. One of the other items you mentioned, and we're seeing some great growth in this, is mini splits. Yeah, it's uh, it's really it's really booming, and uh, probably the biggest change in the mini split world is the heat side of it. You know, most people think of a mini split as being air conditioning. Um, we are seeing ground up projects, whether it's an apartment complex, whether it's a condo complex, or just a regular home or an addition on a home. Um, those jobs are a lot of those jobs are going mini split, whether it's a typical, you know, Halcyon type product with Fujitsu or a variable refrigeration flow commercial type job. Uh, we are seeing a ton of that ground up. Yeah, yeah. And there's a push. I know there's a push here in New Jersey. And then when we cross the border into Westchester and Orange County, there's a push to electrify the area. They want to get rid of fossil fuels. And these mini split heat pumps now offer a tremendous option to that contractor. I know any job that I go on and I'm with the contractor and he's looking for my advice on how I would condition this space, this is always one of my options. It's always going to be there because we're so confident in the heating output that I know in any part of our territory, which we're basically from Kingston all the way down to the Vineland area in New Jersey, out to Montauk on the island, we can cover it for our, our climate here. In fact, you, your son has it in his home, and it gets it gets cold where he is. And so we've got how many how many winters now with that? Four winters, four winters of data, you know, on how it works. Really cold, a lot of snow, not too cold, not too much snow, so that we're quite comfortable with this. Yeah, I'm a wethead through and through, and uh, I have several friends now that have nothing but Fujitsu heat pumps on their home for heating and cooling. My son's house, as you mentioned, is a heat pump minus 15 unit. And, uh, you know, with the output on them, anywhere 60 to 85% output, uh, he's had no problems at all. And is an electrical bill not sky high, right? No, it's uh, he, he averages in the neighborhood of 50 to $75 a month for the whole year. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Small house, you know, but a lot of glass and, you know, yeah. it's a little A-frame, but uh, the whole back of the house is glass. So uh, definitely, definitely worth looking at. Right, right, right. Uh, I can remember uh, two winters ago when be, we had that really, really cold winter, you would text me in the morning, minus one, minus five, zero. And I would be looking at maybe it was five or 10 degrees here. So up there, you know, we were seeing, we were seeing the equipment put to its limit and it never failed. Never failed. No, never it's, failed. Uh, it, it keeps up. I mean, 
he actually registered a minus 15 day one time and, and uh, I, I hesitated to call him to see what the performance was. I, I waited a couple hours, called him, and he said, yeah, absolutely no problem at all, keeping up. And uh, as you said about Westchester and Orange County and them, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of rebates out there for people to get off the gas line. So all of this mini split world stuff, this is an opportunity to get off the gas line, achieve some great rebates, get heating and cooling. And you and I always joke, when someone asks for an efficient steam boiler, what do I always tell them? Yeah. <laughs> Fujitsu. Yeah, yeah. And then I can remove the radiators, put a floor mount in, and give them heating and cooling and zoning, which is key. Yeah, yeah. The zoning is huge. Yeah. The comfort that these put out is, is, is just fantastic. Just fantastic. So we do a tremendous amount of training on those products because they have to know um, how to size them properly. You can't be doing block loads. It's room by room. Because um, we have to know how many BTUs you're putting in there, whether it's if it's going to be a primary heat source or a primary cooling source. Since it's a heat pump, they're getting both in that same package anyway. So no block loads. You have to do more homework up front. Uh, where you're going to place the equipment to make sure you're going to get good airflow. But ultimately, we're delivering comfort with that equipment. And I and I believe now this has gained about 18% of that market share. Yeah, if you had VRF in with the uh, standard residential heat pump market. Yeah, we're getting up there. Right, right, right. So we're seeing when you get major manufacturers like the uh, the trains and the uh, carriers of the world having their own mini-split heat pump type of uh, uh, product out there and pushing their dealers to take it on. This stuff's not going away. It's oh, here yeah. to stay. Yeah, it's here to stay for sure. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, it seems like every day I get a, a, you know another question from a contractor. Hey, what do you think of the heat pump? What do you think of the heat pump? When I was coming up through the ranks and, you know, out there installing it, 40 degrees was the heat pump number. You know, now we're, we're out there pushing minus 15 as right. the heat pump number, So, uh, which has a lot to do with the refrigerant. So, right. you know, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really accelerated the growth of that mini-split world. Right, right, right. Yeah, we, I was always told when I first started, once you cross the Mason-Dixon line, heat pumps are out. And if you're not sure where that is, we're talking Delaware. So anything north of Delaware, a heat pump would be out of the uh, out of the equation. But now it's a standard. Now it's an absolute standard. So we do a tremendous amount of training on this. And yes, we get the the air side, the HVAC guy to come in for those classes. But for the wethead plumber, this still is an option for him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we we're looking to put guys into this business all the time, uh, and, and you know, make them more efficient at it. Even even if they're in the business and they've never sat through a training class. Most of these guys are probably smarter than I am, but there's some, you know, we work directly with the manufacturers when we design all these programs. So we know the ins and outs, you know, that, uh, they may be able to pick one or two things up that will make them more efficient at what they do and put more money in their pocket. Right. So we did touch on this a little bit earlier, but I just want to bring it up, make it, make it a really good, solid point. You know, I reached out to a, a contractor that I know for a long time who, um, Started out working in his uncle's business, and he grew the business by adding Radiant, because this was something that they were never doing before, and they became the Radiant guys in that central Jersey area, that Princeton area especially. And then he left and started his own country, uh, company, and now he's about the size of six trucks, all right, looking to grow. And again, I asked him if a young guy came looking for a job, and, he, and that young guy was comfortable just with what we were talking about, condensing boilers, tankless water heaters, 
and the mini split heat pumps, but not comfortable with oil burner tech or steam systems, would he still hire them? You know, and he absolutely said yes. You know, have you heard the same thing? Yeah, I would say that uh, every company that I talk to, you know, they're at X amount right now. They would be at another amount if they were able to hire more technicians. I think if someone walks through the door with the correct attitude and has a willingness to learn, um, this industry has great teachers in it. And uh, I think this industry is one of the few that, you know, if, if you truly needed a favor from someone, they would take the shirt off their back and give it to you if, if you truly needed a favor. So it's a family. I mean, everybody knows everybody in this industry, which yeah, it's is great. Yeah. It, it's a close knit and everybody looks out for, you know, for everyone. And, uh, you know, as you said, we do reach out to the, the union halls, the, the, the uh, Votech centers, the adult education training classes at night. You know, you reach out to all them the plumbing organizations, you know, we go speak at those just because we're involved in this industry and we know that everyone is looking for good quality help. So, yeah, I think if someone walked through the door and knew any one of those three items and they have the mechanical ability to learn on something else, a diesel mechanic, you know, that wants to get out from working underneath a diesel truck, he's mechanical. They're, they're the type of guys that I think are easily trainable. Right. And, and, and I have found where the guys have come to classes and get really comfortable with the equipment, if the company has sales incentives for them, they're much more comfortable talking about it with the end user and offering it as an option on a job. And that's another way for them to make more money. If there's a sales incentive involved and they can talk about it, I always like to joke around that the lady of the house loves a guy with a tool belt on because he can answer the questions and get stuff done. Right, right. A lot of a lot of these companies too, uh, they like guys coming in with very little experience because they like to train them as you know they call it their way, right. you know their way of doing business, their way to approach a customer, their way of you know servicing a piece of equipment, uh, keep them away from bad habits. Right, right, yeah. I I think this was just great information, John. Uh, I can't thank you enough. I have a lot of respect for you and all your experience. So really, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. If anyone is listening and would want to come and join us at any one of our training classes, uh, please go to www.walesdarby.com and click on the training and events page, and you can see the different classes that we have scheduled throughout the territory. Uh, we do our classes at our learning centers, both in the New Jersey office and our Long Island office, and we do a lot of mobile training at the contractor's location or at participating wholesalers. So if you want, go to the website or give us a call at 732-560-1001 to get on our email list, especially so we can notify you of, of uh, any of the upcoming classes that we have. So thank you very much for your time today, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Jim. Thank you.